Rudy Gobert with 24 and 17 as the Wolves take care of business versus Portland. I got Wolves expert Jack Borman to help us break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Locked On Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab. Back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And before we get into all the action, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. $150 when you bet just five. Check it out and visit FanDuel.com slash NBA. All right, man. So uh, this is what it feels like huh, to play a sub 500 team. Wouldn't know. Wolves haven't played one in a month. That schedule was ridiculous. Toughest in the NBA, but they get Portland at home tonight. And I'd say it went about exactly the way you would have expected. Remember, Blazers just lost 139-77 to OKC. Fifth worst loss in NBA history. So a, a nice game for them to come out at home continue maybe fine-tuning some smaller things after that slugfest in Boston Wednesday night. And they never trailed at any point tonight. Started out hot, never looked back. Largest lead of the night tonight was 36. Kind of tells you everything you need to know. What's the front page read tomorrow morning, Jack, after 116-93 victory? Biggest takeaways and observations. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, in the first, you know, six minutes of this game, the Timberwolves were already up 22 points. You thought that the the NBA record that the Thunder set one night ago of a 62-point lead after three quarters, that is the largest lead after three quarters in NBA history, had us questioning, was that going to last a full 24 hours? Um, You know, it was just a a business-like approach from the Timberwolves out of the gates. Um, You know, and Jane McDaniel said uh, during shoot-around today that, you know, he had, that they had the the Blazers in their headlights after what happened at Target Center in April last year. Um, you know, they, they don't, they, you know, put the Timberwolves in the, in the play-in tournament there. Um, and then, you know, uh, held Portland to 5 of 20 shooting uh, in that first quarter, which was huge. Um, you know, got off to a great start. Um, and, and McDaniels himself was awesome uh, in this one. He, he clamped Anthony Simons, who's been a terrific scorer for the Blazers this year uh, without Damian Lillard. Uh, he had just five points. He did not make a shot from the field. He was 0 of 10 uh, on field goal attempts. Um, but it was really unselfish offense um, to me that that was that set the tone in this one. Uh, Mike Conley came out of the gates hot, made two threes, had a nice pass to Carl um, on, on route to a season high 35 assists from the Wolves. Um, you know, the, the first quarter and that third quarter especially, um, they did a great job sharing the ball. Um, you know, moved really well without the ball too. I thought guys were really, really active. Um, you know, as, as cutters, but they did a great job spacing too. That's why you saw so many insane highlights of guys dunking on dudes and making crazy layups and, uh, you know, and, and getting put back dunks. I mean, they just had, had great spacing that, that allowed guys to, to get up and make plays like that. And then uh, on the other end of the floor, just really, really active defense. I thought uh, season high 28 points off of 20 uh, Blazers turnovers. 
Uh, that was, you know, a point of emphasis considering how young this Blazers team is, considering that they, you know, are one of the worst transition defenses in the NBA so far this season. So uh, you just have to be really pleased with, um, you know, the way the Timberwolves came out. Uh, you know, obviously that that second quarter uh, was just, I, I think, kind of playing with your food a little bit. And then they refocused in the halftime locker room, came out in that third quarter. And uh, it was just a lot more of the same. Uh you know, from the, from that first uh, first 12 minutes. And, and you got to love what the starters did, uh, right? I mean, you know, the guys only had two two guys in double figures. Uh, Rudy had 24, uh, Carl had 23, and then Jaden, Mike, and Ant all had nine points. But all five of them had plus minuses of at least 33 points. Um, that is uh, certainly going to improve the team's uh, or the starting lineup's net rating. I know that's been a a point of contention among some people. That's a that's a shout out to my guy Mike O'Hagan. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's just going to be um, you know hopefully a sign of of things to come against some of these sub five hundred teams. Considering um, you know that was such a huge problem for the Wolves last season, that it's probably going to have some renewed focus to it as they you know enter this stretch now of playing a you know a good number of teams that are um, below five hundred or just significantly. Um, you know, worse than the Timberwolves are as a, as a unit and games that, that the Wolves are going to have to win. And they got off to a great start tonight. Yeah. I want to deep dive into a little bit more of, you know, individual performances, box scores, that stuff. But let me just circle back to that 16 game stretch. They just went through no opponent under 500, all of them 500 or better. If I were to tell you they went nine and seven there, Jack, during that run, what would you have said? And I guess what did we learn, I guess, about this team during that stretch, the way they gr kind of grinded through it, right, with a winning record when it was all said and done? Yeah, I, I think that it says a lot about, um, you know, frankly, the resilience of the team, um, you know, because they did lose some games, right? And they, they hadn't done a whole lot of losing in the first, uh, you know, 25 games of the season. But, you know, I think the way that they were able to rebound and, and not let one bad loss become a second bad loss or a close loss then become a woe is me and you know then get frustrated and you know put two really bad showings uh together in a row i think you know obviously they lost two games in a row for the first time but um i, I don't really think they had prolonged stretches of just bad basketball um you know which can certainly happen when you're playing teams that are really really good and um you know that's a credit to the wolves and um you know in the way that they're able to just stick together and uh it says a lot about chris finch too that he can you know, get all these guys on the same page and, um, you know, help them flush a bad game and, and get them refocused and, and help them focus on, um, you know, how good they are and, and things that they've done early in the season to kind of give them confidence and, um, you know, and, and have a short term memory, because that's that's definitely something that you need in the NBA. And, and when you think about a playoff series, right, you know, exactly. a lot of times in playoff series, it is it is not a surprise to see a team win by 20, 25, 30 points in one game and then lose by 15, 20, 25 in the next game. So, um, I, you know, that's just kind of great practice, I guess, for the Wolves to, you know, not let one bad loss become a second one and, um, you know, and ultimately come out ahead in that stretch, right? They entered that stretch as the number one team in the West. They came out of it the number one team in the West. Um, and that's it's not like they had this huge, crazy lead on everyone else either. Um, so it's so obviously a, a great testament to this group and, um, you know, also a great thing that they're able to stay healthy um, for, for pretty much the entirety of it. And that, you know, you had some guys miss a few games here and there, but, um, you know, no long-term injuries, illnesses, uh, things like that, which is, you know, obviously the the most important thing when you when you consider that, uh, you know, April and May and, and hopefully June, uh, knock on wood, are, are certainly at the, the top of the Timberwolves' mind as they move forward.
Uh, just super quick, because I know it's still fresh on some people's minds in here. I promise then we'll deep dive on tonight's game. But what about the Boston game specifically? Just now that the dust is settled, right, 36, 48 hours later, I know despite the loss, you came on here on Wednesday night. You pretty you were glowing about that performance on the back end of a back-to-back, what they did, that slugfest on the road. What do you think they can learn from that one, knowing full well they're likely going to be in more games and situations like that in April and hopefully in May? So what were the, the teachable moments, I guess, you came away thinking after that Boston game? Yo, my first takeaway after that game is – the Celtics got beat so so badly by the Bucs in that first half. They were up, yeah. I mean, they're up, what, uh, 37 points at halftime, something like that, uh, in Milwaukee the next night that TNT didn't that was show wild. the second half of that game. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that, so I guess it speaks to the Timberwolves' ability to just kind of wear down a team. Um, you know, and obviously the Bucs are great too, but um, – you know, I, I think that that speaks a lot to just how grueling it is to play the Timberwolves, um, regardless of who you are. You could be the best team in the league and it's still a loss. Yep. You know, goes down the record books as a loss. But, um, you know, it's a, just a testament to, to how hard the Timberwolves played last night. Like playing hard every night is a skill in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a huge reason why the Timberwolves made the playoffs two seasons ago and started to change the culture here is because they had so many guys, Jared Vanderbilt especially, that just played their behinds off every night which was awesome to see and and you know win lose or draw I think fans can at least appreciate a team uh that plays really hard every night and then you know some of the teachable moments I guess from that game um you know Nas Reed talked about it a little bit um you know you just can't have fouls like that in that situation Jade McDaniels that take foul fouled out transition you know they just gave away a lot of the momentum that they you know really fought tooth and nail to get uh in that fourth quarter um you know, and some teachable moments for sure for Anthony Edwards with with how to handle double teams and um, and how to get off the ball sooner and trust your teammates and um, you know and just kind of let uh, you know let your teammates do the work uh, when you know the the defense is really working to take you away. It doesn't mean that you have to get passive. It just means that you have to you know kind of aggressively uh, seek out your teammates in positions where they can uh, where they can kind of beat the backside of the defense. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns and Jaden McDaniels are certainly capable of doing that. Um, and, and obviously not having Mike Conley as tough is just like another guy to help get things organized. But um, they've just got to have, uh, I, I think, uh, more poise, um, more calm, and and just composure in a lot of those moments. Um, and, and I think, you know, they maybe they're leaning a little bit too heavily on Mike and, and just kind of knowing I don't have to think too hard because Mike's going to make sure to tell me, you know, this, these are the things that we have to do in a game like this. But um, you know, again, I, I said it after the Dallas game that that game would put a lot of things on film, um, you know, that they can really keep top of mind to correct going into certain matchups um, with teams that can kind of do similar things that Dallas can defensively. Um, and it's the same thing here for for guys like Ant and Nas and Jaden is like, hey, this is like worst case, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to this is going to happen in the playoffs. You know, this is what not to do. And if you can do anything except this. I think we're going to be all right. Uh, and so, you know, you hope that, that they'll be able to carry some of that uh, forward. Um, but, but yeah, you know, and again, it's credit to Ant tonight, right? Like you help, you let your teammates kind of do the work tonight, but, but it's a little bit different when, um, you know, the game has the tenor of a, a varsity versus freshman basketball team, um, you know, rather than a team is aggressively doubling you to, you know, take you out of the game. So 
Um, but but again, man, just what a great ball game that was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was crazy. Yeah, well said. A lot of positives to take away from that one in Boston, for sure. And, you know, a lot of fun to watch for the home court crowd tonight as well versus Portland. Uh, all right, plenty more deep dive from this one right after a quick word from BetterHelp. What are some things that you want to keep the same about yourself or about your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? Maybe start thinking the opposite of new year, new you. Try dinching all the new year's resolutions and start expanding on what you already do, right? Maybe that's organizing the closet or the garage. I know that's something that I always struggle with. Maybe you take those daily vitamins and stay healthy during the new year. And now you're looking to take it to the next step. Well, therapy can help you find your best strengths and maximize your own specific skill set so you can finally ditch the extreme resolutions. Instead, therapy can help you make changes that really stick over the long term once and for all. If you've been thinking about starting therapy, give better health a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your time frame. And it's so easy. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. It's time to start celebrating the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. All right, let's pick back up here. Um, a few performances really stood out tonight specifically. And anytime you're playing a team like this, you're thinking, all right, it could be an opportunity for somebody to light up the box score. But man, the way that Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert combo put on an absolute masterclass tonight, that was a thing of beauty, wasn't it? A lot of fun to watch. I know you texted me earlier, and I didn't even realize it. Conley, 10 assists in the first half for just the second time in his career. He had more assists than the entire Portland team at halftime, who only had eight, which is just absolutely insane. Rudy Gobert, go off, big fella, 24 and 17. Just talk to me about how deadly and in sync those two were tonight playing off one another how fun was that yeah it was great um you know I, I i meant to text some someone on the wolves pr team to ask how many times a player has uh recorded more assists than an, an entire <laughs> can't be a lot team man can't be a lot. it's got to be you know less than know, maybe hand. 20 i i don't know um but yeah i mean mike conley was in total control of this game um i, I think that mike does such a great job of you know, kind of seeking out each player on the roster to try to get them a touch or try to get them an easy score early in the game to try to help get, you know, help them find a rhythm. Um, and that's mm -hmm. something that, that he totally is, is like uh, consciously doing. Um, and that's what he did tonight. I mean, he very quickly had five, five assists. I think he had five assists in like the first uh, four minutes of the game, which was just tremendous. Um, and especially working with Rudy Gobert too, right? Like I think the earlier you can get Rudy a lob dunk or, you know, he had a, he had a couple of really nice bounce passes to Rudy on uh, pick and roll and Rudy did a great job kind of collecting those and finishing. Um, you know, I, I just think the earlier you can get Rudy on the scoreboard, that the more engaged he's going to be, especially in the offensive end. But um, but the way Mike Conley snakes around Gobert screens, um, he times them so well so that Gobert doesn't pick up illegal screens, um, but he creates so much space and then does such a good job of, of with that space, kind of playing with the defense, drawing defenders in, 
from certain spots in the floor so he can create a passing lane to get, you know, a, a certain teammate the ball in the corner in the slot or things like that. And um, he, he was just hitting all the right notes um, tonight. And obviously, you know, hit hit two or two threes right away. Um, but, but yeah, the, the assists that he had in the first half, I thought were, were awesome. Did a good job of, of getting everybody involved there. And, and, you know, I think the biggest thing too for Mike is just like, not forcing anything the way that he's able to you know just so effortlessly get people involved i mean he had 10 assists all of them were in the first half and and he had those 10 assists to six different players and he created uh 23 points off of those 10 assists uh and, and jeff that is that is right rudy gobert is leading the nba in dunks after that i think he passed Giannis. um but, mm. but yeah speaking of rudy i mean he was just a bully tonight. Yeah. Um, you know, it really felt like, you know, uh, I'm sorry to keep going back to the high school thing. I mean, it just felt like a, fr- a senior just stuffed did, freshmen though. in lockers. It like, did, all, like, you know, it felt like he walked up to every single freshman on the, you know, on the C team and just put each one in a locker with whoever was guarding him. I mean, it was pretty, pretty crazy. I mean, he did a great job of using his physicality inside, um, you know, both to seal and create, you know, passing lanes for his teammates um, but also uh, getting offensive rebounds. He was, he was tremendous there. Um, you know, I, I think that when you you, th- you look at Gobert specifically, you know, it's unfortunate for him sometimes that he does have to create his own offensive opportunities just because, um, I get, you know, he's, he's not a player like Carl Anthony Towns, right, where you can line him up all over the floor, get him the ball anywhere, and he can score it from anywhere. Like, it's got to be either in pick and roll, maybe a post up across the front of the rim or an offensive rebound. I had five offensive rebounds tonight. I think he had either three or four putback dunks, uh, which was awesome. Um, did 24 points, only missed two shots. Uh, I believe five of those were dunks. Um, he won on a personal 8-0 run when the Timberwolves were kind of slipping and backsliding in the second quarter um, to kind of help reestablish a firm lead going into halftime. Um, and then the other thing that I noticed on the offensive end with Rudy Gobert specifically, Anthony Edwards, three assists to Rudy Gobert tonight, only had mm. 17 uh on the whole season entering tonight so so about two a game um had three tonight which was or excuse me about one every two games sorry um and had three tonight which was you know obviously what you want to see and then defensively man um he just continues to contest seemingly every shot south of the free throw line um portland only shot 60 percent at the rim which is you know you might think oh 60 like that that's a really good figure for uh, a defense to hold an opposing offense to. Uh, and they were three of 16 in that short mid range area and that four to 14 feet. I know we talk about this almost every single game, uh, but it is really truly incredible how many of these shots the Timberwolves force their opponents to take and how excellent they are at defending them. Uh, you know, I, I haven't checked the numbers recently, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Timberwolves are still the number one team in the league and, uh, opponent shooting percentage in that that four to 14 feet area um so the way that he was just able to to really bully the the trailblazers on both ends of the floor he had 17 rebounds in 28 minutes that's pretty incredible i think you know if rudy would have played his full uh you know Mm -hmm. 35 36 minutes he certainly would have gotten to 20 25 rebounds and could have had a potentially 25 and 25 night or 30 points and 25 uh rebound type of game but um you know, he's really done a great job of, of taking advantage of teams that have really weaker or smaller uh, fives, uh, especially young teams. You know, when you think about guys like Wembenyama or, or uh, you know, Chet Holmgren, he's really gotten up for those games. And, and tonight was another one. And I think, 
you know, and they, when you think about a lot of the teams that are, you know, near the bottom of the standings that the Wolves will be playing coming up, a lot of those teams um, either don't really have a, a center that's a true center, you know, seven foot plus guy, um, or they have a really young, inexperienced guy. And I think, you know, Rudy's going to be really important for, for setting the tone in a lot of those games. Um, and, and, you know, he, he did it tonight and, and you hope that, you know, he can be a part of that, that blueprint for um, starting to really rack up some wins here against, uh, against some uh, inferior competition. I like what you said. I mean, you mentioned Rudy continues to kind of dominate with weak or maybe, you know, suboptimal talent at the five position. So uh, again, when I hear that, I immediately think, okay, so which potential Western conference playoff teams might have some of the weaker five play and, and by theory might make a good matchup for the wolves in round one and beyond. You mentioned Chet Holmgren and OKC. Anyone else come to mind? Maybe we can circle or, or who might that be top of your head? Yeah. And it's not like Chet Holmgren's like a weak, like, you know, right. weak competition. It's no, just like it. he is physically much weaker than Rudy Gobert. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, Rudy Gobert isn't totally able to physically dominate uh, a lot of guys, a lot of the elite centers. When you think of like Sabonis and Embiid and, uh, and Jokic and players like that. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you look at teams like the Houston Rockets, Alperin Shengun might be the worst uh, okay. defensive five uh, in the league. Um, you know, you think about Phoenix and Yusuf Nurkic. She's played Yusuf Nurkic a lot dating back to their days in Utah, uh, dating back to Eurobasket. So he's certainly familiar with him. Um, and then I think, you know, outside of that, everyone else uh, that they would face in the playoffs uh, or Derek Lively, I guess, is another one you could throw in there for the for the, uh, for the Mavs. He's a very good player, uh, but he's young. Uh, and Rudy got his really took advantage of him uh, in, the, in the first couple matchups that they had. He did not play in the most recent matchup uh, against Dallas, but I mean, you, you go down. I mean, you think Denver's got Jokic, the Pelicans have Valanchunas, um, the Kings have Sabonis, uh, who, who again, isn't, isn't great defensively. So he could certainly take advantage of that, but uh, it's just a really physical dude that he can't kind of bully on both ends. Um yeah, and then the Lakers have Anthony Davis, and, and I don't think Utah or Golden State or Memphis or Portland or, or obviously San Antonio are going to be in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Zubot, Zubots is one that I, I actually think is pretty underrated uh, across the league. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, Rudy Gobert is certainly a better player than, than Zubot mm-hmm. for sure. It's just not, you know, uh, you won't get a night like tonight too many times. I don't, I don't think on, on Zub, but um, but yeah, there, there's certainly going to be opportunities out there, especially in the first round. Um, and the more, you know, impactful Rudy Gobert can be on the offensive end of the floor, the more pressure it takes off of guys like Ant and Carl to, to really do all the scoring in right. the playoffs, especially considering that the Timberwolves just haven't really had a super consistent third score. Um, and so if Rudy Gobert can really emerge as that third score, uh, and, and as, you know, as his team continues to get more comfortable throwing in the ball and, and, you know, finding places for him to score from, uh, that'll be, that'll be really helpful. Uh, Nas Reed, new front runner for greatest shot of the year for the Wolves after that no look floater crashing to the to the ground off the backboard. What'd you think of that one? Uh, yeah, I think if you're looking for like a horse shot, for sure, no Absolutely. question. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're talking more trick shots. Yeah, so for, for sure. sure. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that Not shot that Ant had fourth too. quarter. Yeah, yeah, the Ant one as well. Yeah, the Ant one after uh, the foul was called. But yeah, man, I that was that was insane. That was um, wicked. Tar- and, and hey, Target Center. I know. I know. Jim Pete mentioned uh, the Blake Hoffarber shot from Hopkins from way back in the day, but it is almost an annual thing that that there is a Minnesota State High School League 
uh, shot that ends up on Sports Center top ten from from the state tournament. Um, there's been no shortage of, of crazy trick shots at, at Target Center. Uh, Scott, at all Scott Van Pelt is waiting in the studio as we <laughs> love Scott. Yeah, no, absolutely, you're totally right. All right, couple quickies to close before we wrap up, but first a quick word from Vandal. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets when you place any $5 wager. $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any bet. And you don't even have to win. I mean, this promo was made for a guy like me, and I know you're going to love it too. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over-unders, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use as well. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, schedule coming up now. Next week or so, Clippers, Pistons, Grizzlies, no John or Ron. He's out for the season. I just saw Smarts out for six weeks now, too. Which one are you Desmond, be- Yeah, go ahead. And Desmond Bain, too, uh, might be out for a while wow. on the injury. Looks wow. like, too. Yikes. What, yikes. Okay, so I was going to say, which one are you most excited about? Uh, but, you know, maybe what are you more excited about? Like a specific matchup now or a guy that you maybe don't get to watch a lot? Whatever it may be, which game are you – Starting to circle, I guess, on the schedule coming up. I think it's certainly the Clippers game. Um, you know, I, I I was pretty vocal. I really liked that trade uh, for the Clippers when it first happened. Um, I think that he he fits in perfectly with what the Clippers want to do and how they want to spread the floor and 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 drive and kick and keep driving and kicking and um, you know and and force switches and and they have three amazing isolation players in James Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George and and they're just totally able to compromise the defense any way that you want to. Um, they can run pick and roll. Zubac is a great screen setter. Uh, is a good lob threat too. Um, you know can can catch passes. A pretty solid post up player too against really smaller defenders. Um, they've got a pretty deep team too. When you you think about the fact that Norm Powell is coming off the bench. Um, for them, he, he's just a phenomenal player um, that, that they have also if they want to play five out. And then, you know, you think about the pace that Russell Westbrook uh, can help, you know, your team play at is just a, an incredible thing. Um, I, I think the Clippers have lost maybe one time um, in the last month and change, um, which has been pretty remarkable. Uh, when, you, when you think about it, uh, excuse me, they've lost they've lost three times in the last month, but um but yeah, I mean, and they've, they've been like 10 and one in their last 11. Um, and just the way that, that Harden has been sharing the wealth there with everybody has been crazy. And, and the way that they're able to switch, um, you know, one through four around Zubac is, is pretty impressive. Um, and, and I just think it's really fun uh, to see a team that can spread you out and, and play such a, you know, such a unique style of basketball. I mean, it's pretty similar to what Boston's doing and that they just have so many guys that can, that can hurt you and and they have no problem playing more of a positionless basketball. Um, It's, it's really truly a, a, an awesome team to watch. And there's no reason, I mean, everyone wants to point it like, Oh, the Clippers always flame out and melt down in the playoffs. But like, I mean, when you, when you think about Terrence Mann, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I don't know off the top of my head, if I can think of a better, 
you know, defensive wing trio in the entire league uh, than that, which is pretty incredible. Um, and Zubach is a pretty good rim defender too. And so, you know, James Harden is, is six foot five, 230 pounds. Yeah. Um, you know, he's no slouch either. Like when James Harden really wants to play defense, like he's really physical and does a great job walling up. So um, I'm really excited to see, you know, how the Timberwolves uh, operate offensively against their defense. I, you know, I, I think that, you know, the Timberwolves have some horses between Ant and Jaden and uh, Nikhil and Kyle Anderson, where they'll kind of be able to to check up some of these dudes and, and not allow them to, you know, all go off, if you will. Um, but I think the Timberwolves are going to have a really tough time scoring on the Clippers uh, offensively, unless they move the ball like they did tonight. So I obviously think that, um, you know, while sometimes it's tough to, to play such an unserious game and then shift to a really serious one. Yeah. Um, but in some cases, it can be pretty good to help you kind of find a rhythm offensively and and prove to you what works here with, um, you know, with being unselfish and really moving without the basketball. So, um, yeah, so how the Timberwolves match up against a team that's going to switch, that's going to play zone, um, you know, it's really going to try to force you into play isolation basketball uh, is going to be interesting to watch uh, because there'll, there'll be some opportunities for them to score, no question, mm-hmm. um, especially against the Clippers. Um, you know, reserves. Um, none of those guys are, are really good defenders at all off the bench, but, um, but yeah, it'll be, be a fun one. Uh, starters were out early in the fourth quarter tonight after that blowout. Anyone stick out to you, maybe impress you, whether that's a veteran or one of the younger guys we're kind of hoping continues to develop and progress a little bit. Josh Minot, Wendell Moore, Leonard Miller, more Shake Milton tonight, TBJ, anything catch your eye? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, you know, there is playing against no nobodies, but uh, but Shake Milton played really, really well. I really liked the way that he pushed the pace and, and got the ball quickly into the front court and uh, was pretty unselfish, too, and did a great job moving without the ball um, as a cutter down the lane. Um, and so I think that hopefully trying to find some some spots where he can he can get some minutes, I think is going to be important. But, but you know, it's going to be hard to displace Jordan McLaughlin from the rotation again, five, five assists in 13 minutes tonight for for J Mac. He also had another steal. Um, you know, and then I, I always just really enjoy watching Leonard Miller play. Uh, he's just, you know, there's some guys all you, do, man. There's yeah, some guys that you you just kind of forget when they're out there, you know, Andrew Wiggins, not to name names. Um, but you know, Leonard Miller is a guy that you notice every single time he's on the floor. Uh, he's just always around the basketball. He's always making plays. And, um, you know, I, I know there's not really going to be a time, you know, hopefully knock on wood with no injuries that, that he's going to really play. But four points, two rebounds, a block and a steal in eight minutes. Um, I think he also had, you know, two or three fouls. But uh, but I just love his activity. Uh, and, and I think he's a guy that can, uh, like Jordan McLaughlin in some ways, uh, really – you know, infuse the game with some energy um, and a game where the Timberwolves are pretty lifeless, um, you know, down the line, I, I would love if Finchie just, you know, pressed the Leonard Miller chaos button. Um, he probably won't. Uh, I fully recognize that, but I, I'd selfishly like to see some of it. Um, but, but yeah, and then, and, and Troy Brown Jr. Again, just was way too good to be out there right at the end. Um you know, he was just wide open in the corner, made a couple threes, uh, made a, made a few, you know, really nice passes downhill. But again, like that was basically just a, a crappy pickup game uh, at, the, at the end of the game for the last, you know, nine minutes, whatever it was. Um, certainly, certainly the most non-competitive uh, Timberwolves game I, I can remember in a, in a long time. 
Uh, we got about two and a half minutes left here. So last one, I pulled up just a random article on some possible trade deadline deals. And for the Wolves, okay, there was five of them on here. I immediately took out everyone that had Mike Conley packaged in the mix because that ain't happening. So here were the only two that were left. And I want to know if either one make any sense at all or which one you prefer over the other. Kyle Anderson, so slow-mo, nah, TBJ, and a 2028 first-round pick for Dylan Brooks or... Jaden McDaniels, Kyle Anderson, Josh Minot, and a 2030 first-round pick for McCall Bridges. I don't know how lopsided or realistic either one of those are, but put your GM cap on and tell me which one of the two maybe tickles your fancy a little bit. I I mean, neither of them are legal trades. Um, Well, there you go. All right. So I I would say neither. Um, So the Timberwolves won't be able to trade a first-round pick until 2031 uh, unless they do it on draft night. Yeah, wow. so they uh, you you can't trade your first round pick to back in back to back years. So um, they they have their first round picks out in 25, 27, and twenty nine. Wow. And well, let's also, say okay, instead of a first, they were like three seconds. Instead of one first, it was like then, two or three. Then I, I'd probably say the Mikael Bridges one, okay. just because you know he's, he's an awesome player and I think you'd fit perfectly around everybody here. But um, but yeah, I I don't think they're going to trade Jaden McDaniels. Um, any anytime remotely soon in the next 10 years. So, um, but who knows? Um, maybe, maybe in, maybe in seven years, uh, you know, they're able to flip Jaden McDaniels for some superstar that's in like the fourth grade right now. I, I don't know. So, uh, we'll, we'll see, but I, I think it'll be a, a much smaller scale, uh, a trade deadline and, and buyout market, uh, mm-hmm. you know, free agency acquisition period than, than some might think. Uh, Wolves bounce back strong with the 116-93 victory over Portland. They now move to 27-11 and on the year. Back at home this Sunday versus the Clippers. That'll be a great one. Tip-off 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. As always, huge shout-out to everyone that joined us in the postcast. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. You got to go check out all of Jack's work on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And quick reminder as well, you can always check out Jack on the Minnesota Basketball Party with all our guys, Sam Ekstrom, Ron Johnson, Reggie Wilson from CARE 11. That's every Wednesday afternoon as well. And if you haven't already, got to go check out Ben Beacon over on the Locked on Wolves podcast too. That'll do it for us tonight. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing up.